Kids, I hope you have a, a great time in the back. If you're remaining in the room, I'd encourage you to, to grab your copy of God's Word. Turn to James chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 13. Um, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there are some in the back. You can follow along in the screens um, or in the bulletin as well. Um, I told you last week at the beginning of our service that, um, uh, that uh, several of our elders went to the uh, Billy Joel Stevie Nicks concert, and I will confess that I was one of those. And uh, it, was a, it was a fun night um, last Saturday night, um, and uh, it was a little bit surprising when you think about it, because this is a concert that sold out a major stadium in our area uh, that was headlined by Stevie Nicks, who is 75 years old, and Billy Joel, who is 74 years old, and they are still packing stadiums. Um, admittedly, my wife and I will tell you, we were not really there for Stevie Nicks, we were there for uh, Billy Joel. And so it was cold, and we sort of had to suffer through Stevie Nicks. My apology to all the Stevie Nicks fans in the room, um, but we had to suffer through it a little bit. But I will tell you, um, there was a very neat moment at the very end of her set, um, her very last song, uh, she played the song Landslide, which was the uh, Fleetwood Mac song that she sang, I believe it was 1973, um, when that song was originally written. And it's been recovered a million times by a million different audiences and, and artists, probably because um, the lyrics are so beautiful, it resonates. And, and she sang, you know, the lyrics that you've all heard before, can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons of my life? And then she finished, even children get older and I'm getting older too. Uh, I'm getting older too. She sang the song, pictures of her career um, were on the, the screens from the time when she started in the late 60s all the way up today. So 50 years of her performing, all those pictures kept scrolling behind her. And I, I'd have to talk to other people that were there. She seemed to really hang on those words, I'm getting older too. She kept saying it over and over again in this surreal moment where the pictures of, of a, a younger version of herself kept scrolling across the scene. And you got, a little, you got a sense that she was even a bit emotional as she thought of and wrestled with all of the seasons of her life displayed behind her uh, and the passage of time that we are all a part of. Well, our text this morning really talks about the passage of time. And when you think about it, probably all of us, um, no matter how busy or not busy we are, would probably like a little bit more time with our lives. Um, probably many of you have thought, couldn't there just be another hour in the day? Couldn't we get that 25th hour and just think about how much more we could accomplish in that 25th hour? Um, we can work really hard, we can earn a lot more money, but we can't earn any more time. It is what people have called a fixed commodity. And so our faith and how it works has something to say as we consider this idea of time this morning. And that's what James wants us to see in our passage. We're going to read just a few verses in James chapter 4, uh, verses 13 to 17. Uh, this is in the context with which James is talking about it, a lot about wealth and poverty, which we've already tackled already in this uh, sermon series but he gives these few words here about the passage of time and its significance. So I'm going to be reading uh, chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. 
Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is God's word. Father, so thankful for uh, just the opportunity to worship this morning. And uh, I don't know whether it was planned that way or not, Father. We seem to really focus on your character um, as indescribable, as uh, incomprehensible, as standing above time, uh, as a simple spiritual being, Lord. And um, even the psalm talked about um, your beautiful works of creation and how they uh, just reflect, reflect your character to us. And so we pray, Father, that um, we would join with the voice of nature around us singing your praises this morning. And we pray that as we study your word now, as we meditate on it for the next few minutes, that you would help us to see your character and what that means for us. Um, Help us to see your beauty, and may we leave here changed as a result. Um, We pray all this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever wondered um, why there are so many movies about time travel? Um, Zach and I were talking about this this morning, about the old Back to the Future movies. Um, I loved those movies when I was a kid, all three of them, Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. And we all watched those movies wondering, hey, if we had access to a time machine, what time period would we want to go back and view? Um, There's been a lot of other time travel movies. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was a big one when I was young as well. Um, I've heard there's a movie called Hot Tub Time Machine, which I have admittedly not seen. Um, Maybe that's a good thing. Um, And even recently, there's, well, there's been other shows like Quantum Leap was a big show that was all about time travel when I was growing up as well. And even one of the um, uh, recent Marvel movies explored uh, the concept of time travel Um, And in one of those movies, one of the main characters has an opportunity to to travel back in time and uh, he speaks to a younger version of his father and in a weird moment gives fatherly advice to a younger version of his father. And one of the things that the advice that he gives him is that no amount of time or no amount of money can buy a second of time. I think that's a really profound thing to consider. It's a good reminder of how precious time is, more precious than we often realize. Uh, If you've been with us the past couple weeks, you'll know that James's central concern in his epistle, um, in his book, is to show us a faith that works. And one of the things that we've been uh, sort of clear about all throughout is that our faith is, or our works are not the cause of our faith or our salvation. That is purely by God's grace and by God's grace alone. But there is an effect to that faith. Um, There is evidence of that faith in someone's life. And James has guided us um, throughout discussions of poverty and wealth um, through discussions of suffering, last week the, the power of the tongue. And I think James guides us in a discussion of time 
in these three, a few short verses that we have here this morning, helping us understand what true faith thinks about time and the time that we've been given. So what I want us to discover, to, to, to look at, discover real briefly this morning is that time is a gift, but not a guarantee. That we're called to be good stewards of the time that we have been given to, to make it count. And then lastly, in humility and joy, recognize that our lives are in the hands of God. This is how faith thinks about the time that we've been given. So let's start by maybe James's central point, and that is time is a gift. Time is a gift, but it is certainly not a guarantee. Uh, I told many of you that uh, yesterday I ran in a race with my son, and if you've done any of these endurance races before, um, you know uh, sort of how it feels. You get started, and, and you're feeling really good uh, for a while, and then at some point, you hit what runners call the wall or this sort of threshold where the pain just becomes really great. And you're having a great time up until that point, um, but then for the last couple miles or whatever it is, you're just suffering through that. And, and I don't know about the other runners in the congregation, but sometimes I make negotiations in my head and I think, all right, I've only got five more minutes, five more minutes of pain before I can finish uh, this event. But then you look at your watch and it feels like the seconds are just creeping by. Even though it's five minutes, it just feels like an eternity. And I think there's times in our lives where um, time slows down, right? Uh, maybe we're suffering through something. Um, maybe it's an illness that we are going through, but it seems like uh, the, cl- the clock just creeps by. Uh, Maybe you have trouble sleeping at night. You just keep looking at the clock and it just seems to be going by so slowly. Or maybe you're sitting in traffic and it's going by slowly. Or you're sitting in jury duty waiting for your number to be called or waiting to be dismissed and time just seems to be creeping by. I I thought back to the few teachers I've had in my education career where I was convinced when you sat in that class Time just went slower than everywhere else in the world. But more often than not, the reverse is true, right? It feels like time just flies by. When I was younger, I felt like I had all the time in the world. I felt I had all the time to do all the things that I want to do. And now I log on to social media and Facebook shows me pictures that were taken 10 years ago that feel like they were only just seconds ago. And I immediately feel very old. My wife and I have a saying that we often like to say that the days can seem very long, but the years go by very quickly or they feel very short. I think that's why James here describes our lives as a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. James isn't the only one. Job reminds us that our lives are a breath. The psalmist in Psalm 102 recognizes that his days pass away like smoke. All of these voices reminding us that our lives are very short. Uh, I heard a one, uh, one pastor years ago describe our lives as, as a geometric ray. And so you have to think back to the geometry uh, course that you took so many years ago. If you remember, a geometric ray um, looks like a dot that has an arrow coming out of it that extends on for infinity. 
And this pastor described our lives like that. Um, Our lives have a starting point, but then they move on to infinity. And I think he's right that the Bible characterizes our lives that way. Our, Our physical lives here on this earth are very short, but our souls, our spirits will persist on for all of eternity. So when you think about our lives on earth in the scope of eternity, they feel very short. They feel very brief. But James also reminds us that there are no guarantees when it comes to time as well. None of us have in our back pockets a certificate that guarantees us 80 to 90 years of life. In fact, none of us, James reminds us, are even guaranteed tomorrow. Only God knows the true length of our lives. And that's uh, the tragedy of the rich young fool in, in Luke chapter 12. You remember Jesus told the story of the rich young fool who was proud of his economic success. He was proud of his um, growth strategy. He was getting ready to tear down his current barns and build bigger barns. He was proud of his great plan that he had to retire in the Mediterranean, I can imagine. But Jesus, God says to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? You see, friends, God has given us this gift of life, but only he is the one that knows our end. And so time certainly is a gift, but there are no guarantees to it. And if that's true, that brings us to our second point this morning, is if time is a gift, then you and I are called by God to be good stewards of the time that is given to us, to make it count in every way possible. Um, If you look at the Greek, um, there's two terms that are used um, in the Bible when it comes to this word time. Um, one is, is called chronos, which is where we get this idea of chronological, um, chronological time, clock time that our watches tell us about every single day. And the other term is a term called um, kairos, and that is the word time, but it carries with it a lot more meaning. It's a word that is sort of pregnant with expectation and opportunity. It sees that every moment is appointed by God and anointed by God, which is full of all sorts of potential. Uh, James K.A. Smith, one of my favorite authors, calls this spiritual timekeeping. It's, it's understanding how God wants us to keep time. Now, James, our epistle writer, wants us to see that faith views time differently than the world that is around us. Uh, It views time as a gift and an opportunity, and therefore God wants us to make it count, um, to not waste the time that is given to us. And so imagine for a second how differently we would live if we kept time by this sort of spiritual wisdom that we read here, where every moment is full of sacred opportunity. Take a moment to just think about your day. We all have plans for the rest of our day, right? Uh, We have plans that we've made that we expect to do. And now think about all those plans in light of James' reminder that we don't even know what tomorrow will bring or whether we are even guaranteed tomorrow. 
And so in the scope of our short lives and an eternity that waits us, we all have to always ask ourselves the question, does it really matter? Does it really matter? Now, before I tell you the story, I want to put a a massive disclaimer on what I'm about to say, all right? Um, A fun disclaimer. Uh, I believe that there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a passionate sports fan and passionately following sports. That's my, my disclaimer. There's nothing wrong with sitting down and, and watching a game and enjoying every single moment about it. Part of the thing I love about Baltimore is how passionate our sports fans are and how much we love and get behind our sports teams. In fact, I won't even judge you if you're pulling out your phone and checking the Ravens score even while you're sitting here. No judgment whatsoever, because they're playing at 9.30 this morning in London. So I won't even judge you with that. But I do have to tell you this story. Years ago, I have to confess that I got probably a little too caught up in being a sports fan, uh, particularly when it came to uh, being a Ravens fan. Uh, my wife would tell you um, that she would, she doesn't, I don't think she minds me telling uh, this story, at least I don't think so. Um, uh, she would tell you that she would hold her breath every time there was a Ravens game because she knew how emotionally invested I would get into this game. And if the Ravens won, I would be happy dad for the rest of the day. Um, but if they lost, the day would likely be ruined and I would certainly be cranky and I would probably take it out on the rest of the family. And here's the reality. So many years later now, I don't remember those scores. I don't remember the outcome of those games. I don't remember the records or any of the big plays. But what I had to come to terms with is my kids will remember if I treated them poorly after a Ravens game because I was cranky. And so I had to come to terms with the fact that in the scope of our short lives and the eternity that awaits us, Does these things, do these things really matter? Most of you know that I've been a coach for 20 plus years now. Um, When I have athletes that come back or alumni that come back and we reminisce about our years um, coaching um, and on the cross-country course, they never remember the scores. They never remember really how well the team did that year, but they always remember how they were treated and how participating on our teams made them feel. You see, friends, every moment is a gift from the hand of God. Every moment is pregnant with opportunity, and so true faith doesn't waste those moments. True faith makes those moments count. Now, I always think there's really always two extremes when it comes to things like this and matters like this. Certainly, there's the hedonistic approach that's out there in our world, right? Our lives are short, so let's eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we will die. And that's the the hedonistic approach to this. There's also, on the opposite extreme, the workaholic approach to all of this, where we never relax or we never enjoy the life that is given to us. And I don't believe that either extreme is the correct posture, But Jesus then comes along and says that spiritual timekeeping always has one eye on eternity. Remember Jesus' words, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust destroy nor thieves can steal. Spend your time on things that matter for eternity. 
You see, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, which we do every couple of weeks, we remind our hearts of the reality of heaven. And we orient ourselves to that future. Uh, One author I thought gave a great illustration of this. He said that that thy kingdom come and living in light of that um, is like a child that gets to hear the ice cream truck driving in the neighborhood but is three blocks away. The, The child can't see the ice cream truck but he's starting to hear the music and it is prompting him to action. How can I get mom and dad to to give me a few dollars? Or how can I scrounge up a few dollars to meet the sound of that ice cream truck that is coming our way? Well, friends, we can't see heaven, but we are starting to hear the music. And so we need to make every intervening moment in between count. We need to make our time count. We are given the gift of time, and it comes with a responsibility And so we need to seize every moment given to us. Lastly, what I I think what I want James wants us to see is this. In humility and joy, we recognize ultimately that our lives are in the hands of God. See, what I think in this passage James is after is a certain measure of humility from his readers Um, that both his readers in the first century ought to have and we ought to have as followers of Jesus Christ as well. He says in verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Proverbs 27, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. First Corinthians 5 verse 6, your boasting is not Good. See, James is after a certain measure of humility that characterizes true faith and wisdom when it comes to how we think about time. Uh, many of you know, and I think I've told you this story before, um, I teach uh, ninth grade girls world history. And one of the first uh, exercises that we do um, with our students is we give them a half sheet and there's four uh, stick figures of people on that half sheet. And what we ask them to do is to chart uh, the generations of their family. And so one of those stick figures is themselves, and they have to decorate it with how they look and what they would wear. The next figure uh, next to it is their parent, um, who they have to decorate, decorate in their cultural moment when they were in high school. Next to it is their grandparent, their cultural moment when they were in high school. And next to them is their great-grandparent and what their cultural moment looked like when they were in high school. And every year, I have a lot of students that just struggle to even remember the names of their great-grandparents. And almost none of them can remember the name of their great-great-grandparents. And one of the things that I say to them is, you guys have to remember that someday some future generation of yourself will struggle to remember your name as well. And they look at me and they say, Mr. Donahue, that's such a downer. Why would you say that to us? The time will forget us. But that is the wisdom that James is really after. This wisdom that humbly recognizes the brevity of our lives. But it doesn't have to be a downer as my students say, because our lives ultimately are in the hands of an almighty God. 
James writes, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. James isn't offering us a formula that we should say every time we make plans and we write things in our day planners. But what he is saying is this is a cue to remind our hearts whenever we do make plans. That we recognize that the gift of time that we're given, that we recognize the brevity of our lives, that we recognize that every moment is pregnant with opportunity. But lastly, that we recognize that all of this is in the hands of a God who is sovereign, who is in control of all things that happen, and a God who deeply loves us and cherishes his relationship with us. Proverbs 16, the hearts of a man plan his ways, but the Lord is the one who establishes his steps. You see, what we've been reminded constantly of this morning is that God is not like us. Everything that we know is bound by time and space, the seasons each year as we watch the the leaves change around us, the seasons each year remind us that there is a life and death cycle that is all around us and that all of us are part of it, but God is not like us. He is different. He has no beginning, as we sang, he has no end. With God, a thousand years are but a day. And yet, isn't it amazing what the gospel tells us, that he chose to become one of us, That the God who stands outside of time and space stepped into time and space in order to become one of us and save us from our sins. He understands what the passage of time feels like and what all the implications are about that. And Jesus even knows, I've taken particular comfort in this, Jesus even knows what it's like to feel middle-aged. Now, I know Jesus only lived to be probably 33 years, but their lives were shorter back then, and so I think 33 years qualifies as middle age for Jesus. So he knows what it's like to wake up and have certain aches and pains that you didn't have once before in your life. He understands all those things. He even suffered all of those things. Why? To redeem our hearts and to redeem our time. His death and resurrection means that our time on earth is not worthless, it's not empty, it's not pointless. We are more than grass that just withers and dies at the end. You and I, each one of us, can impact eternity. And so even though we approach time with a certain measure of humility, we can also approach it with great joy recognizing that all of this is in the hands of a God whose steadfast love for us will never fail. And so, friends, I challenge you, as I've done this week studying this passage, take an inventory of your life. Sort through what matters and what doesn't. You see, the heart of earthly wisdom that is all around us is committed to this world, squeezing every moment of joy out of it, ignoring the eternity that lies ahead. But wisdom recognizes that this is not all there is. So let's not keep keep time purely chronologically. Instead, let's keep time spiritually, in joy and humility, making every moment count. Let's pray.